down to a a worldview of church history. And don't check out on me yet. I hope to be able to make um, some application to how that affects us today. Um, Edmund Burke said, if you never learn from history, you are bound to repeat it. He also said, um, all that's needed for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And um, he had, I was interested, I, I thought he said that, and I checked to see if that was right. And in checking, he had amazing a number of quotes that were really challenging to me and and um i can't remember i didn't i didn't bring it with me but one of them was along this line this isn't the quote if you in your work if you come to despair he said work on if it's the right work just keep going on regardless but in in looking at History and in particular narrowing it down to church history, this is all part of what in 2 Timothy 2.15 he said to Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In studying the Word of God, there are many avenues of where it takes us. And, and in looking at these, it is very important that we study the Word of God and rightly divide the Word so that, as we said with worldviews, it cohesively and as a unit and... Uh, Cognitively, it makes sense and it fits together, cohesive and cognitive, with all of Scripture. That it's, God gave us a unit. He makes all things fit together. He has a purpose in it all. Now, tonight we're going to look at four different church history type worldviews. I can make this available, I can print it out, and you can have it so you're not, because there's a lot if you're going to try to write these down. Um, the first one is a pagan worldview. And, and many of these I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through quickly without comments, and somehow I'll come back and make comments. They believe... To a certain, and, and again, you can divide these up. These are general, generally speaking. God exists to give power. God must be appeased for favor. We have had missionaries that have come and told us about in their land that all these things that the people do, offering to gods and and when they plant their little crop for their, their garden, 
the things that they do because they want the gods to bless them. And Seth Meyer was talking about this when he was here, that, that there's all these gods, the God of rain, the God of sun, the God of your family, the God, and, and he says, there is no peace in their life. They, they, they're always trying to appease the God. And they believe you may choose or create your own God according your, to your desires. And again, this is nothing new. Remember, Paul showed up and, and he addressed, they, he said, you have all these gods. And then to make sure that you've covered all of them, you have this altar to the unknown God, just in case we've forgotten one. This is a, this is a pagan mentality. This is a, a, an ungodly mentality. The state and the gods are one in power in this. And again, generally speaking, the god of choice would rule in their theocracy. Their god, whoever they deemed to be the most powerful, would be the one. And this pagan theocracy um, was a counterfeit of the old Hebrew theocracy where God was ruling. And then you know Israel's history. They said, we want a king like the other people. And... Um, God told Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. But it's a counter. Anything Satan does is a counterfeit. He counterfeits, he is not original in anything. He counterfeits everything. Number six, corporal or capital punishment is justified for heretics who reject the state God. We'll be coming back to that, okay? So this is, this is basically a general outline of a pagan worldview. There is, the next one we want to look at is the Pauline worldview or the biblical worldview. Maybe I shouldn't have said that yet, but, um, and this is just again a basic general. Number one, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament covenant. The New Testament begins a new covenant I give unto you. He didn't do away with it. He fulfilled the law. Secondly, the new covenant is individual, not patriarchal. It's not that I can pass on my faith to the whole, my whole family. Each individual has to come to individual faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism is by immersion for believers only. Maybe we should have switched three and four. But regeneration is a work of the Holy Ghost occurring at salvation. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. When, when we have placed our faith and trust in God, this is a work of God. And it, we don't regenerate ourselves. This is, this is the work of God. 
There is coming a future reign of Christ, a 1,000-year reign of Christ here on this earth. Christ's return for believers is imminent, meaning it can happen at any time. There's nothing that needed to be fulfilled. There's nothing yet that needs to be fulfilled for Christ's return. Number seven, the church is not Israel and is separate from the state. This is, this is very, very important, okay? Number eight, the New Testament churches do not punish heretics. You did not find any New Testament churches burning heretics at the stake. They, they may have exercised church discipline and said, we cannot fellowship with you. But they did not punish people that did not believe what they believed. The churches are comprised of pilgrims or strangers in this, <clears throat> in this world. And we are here serving God, awaiting Jesus' return to take us to our true home. And we need to be reminded of this often. This is not our home. We are pilgrims and strangers. <clears throat> now, the next worldview is the Augustinian worldview. Um, let me just go through. Mankind inherits original sin. Baptism is a symbol and sign of the covenant and washes away original sin. This is what they believe, okay? So if, if you are alert, you know, wait a minute, that isn't, that isn't biblical. Infant baptism is compulsory and provides regeneration. The church is Israel. It is a figurative interpretation of Scripture that the nation Israel is, is not important. Membership in the Catholic Church is involuntary. So if you want to write at the top or when you get your paper, Augustinian is a Catholic worldview. Baptism washes away sin. Membership in the Catholic Church is not voluntary. The sacraments, sacerdotal salvation comes through the church, through participating in the sacraments of the church. And it, you cannot be saved apart from the church. This is why it is so hard. This worldview, people that that grew up Catholic, they, they may have nothing to do with the Catholic Church, but to leave it, they, they would think, I'll never be saved because salvation comes through this. You talk to people that do, and, and this is, this is it. Predestina predestination and election before being born or born again. The Augustinian view, the new covenant is patriarchal, not individual, meaning the parents, the father says, we are getting our son or daughter baptized. 
Did the son or daughter have anything to do with that choice? No. It is, it is the parent's choice. We are getting you baptized. This baptism will wash away your sin. And um, you continue in the church for you con- your continued salvation. The events of Revelation are figurative, and Jesus' return is not imminent. So the events of Revelation are, are figurative, um, symbolic, and um, Jesus' return is not going to happen at any moment. Number 10, corporal and capital punishment for heretics. We don't see this in the United States, but if you are aware of church history at all, the Catholic Church has killed many, many, many thousands and more people. Um. And they believe in the church-state marriage. They, they, they believe the church and state work hand in hand and the state and church. Um, what other church do you know that has an ambassador to the United States? What other church do you know? Why do we have an ambassador to the Vatican? Okay. We'll go on. This next worldview is the Calvinism worldview. And, and many of you, when I, I, I say that, you are going to think of one thing in particular, or two, or maybe five, or maybe you'll think of a flower. Um, but let me just go through this, and most of what you're thinking about is not even listed in this. This is more pagan, biblical, Catholic, reformed. Okay? Mankind inherits original sin. All right? Baptism is a symbol and sign of the covenant and washes away original sin. This is a reform theology, all right? Infant baptism is compulsory and provides regeneration. Now, we don't have these parallel up here, but... The first three are the exact same as the Catholic. The first four. The church is Israel. It's a figurative interpretation of Scripture. Number five, membership in the universal Reformed church is not voluntary. Number six, sacraments are a means to grace through the church. Predestination, number seven, an election before being born or born again. The new covenant is patriarchal, not individual, that I pass on my faith to my family. 
as we said, in the biblical worldview, I can live my life, I can teach and instruct, but they must come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I cannot pass on my faith to them. Number nine, the events of Revelation are figurative and Jesus will return at the conclusion of a thousand-year reign of the Universal Reformed Church. Number ten, corporal or capital punishment upon heretics. And number eleven, the church and state marriage. These are, these are all wrought out in church history. And this is Reformed theology. And, and let me just say, there are a number of ramifications here. Of the four, there is one that believes in freedom of religion. Has from the very beginning all the way through. It's the Pauline or the biblical worldview. Many of the reformers, and, and they did many great things, and I am, but they killed people that believed in baptism the way you and I do today. Many of the people going around today exposing, or not exposing, espousing some of these beliefs would not want to live in, in, um, in Calvin's Geneva when Calvin was ruling there. They wouldn't want to live in Zwingli's either. Because they believed if you aren't with us, you're a heretic and we have the right to Eliminate you. You can go back and look in history, and if you need help with that, I can help you. How does that apply today? We don't believe in freedom from religion. We believe in freedom of religion. That is another one of the things that has made America unique. And were it not for forefathers that battled this, America would be made up of several state churches, and there would not be freedom of religion. There are, throughout history, we are indebted to Baptist forefathers that stood up in, in the forming of our Constitution said, no, we do not want a state church. And they battled it until they finally convinced others so that we have the First Amendment today. Now, that First Amendment is being switched to be freedom from religion. You can practice your religion here in this church building, but... We are a society that don't bring it out into our society. We want freedom from religion. No, it's freedom of religion that wherever you go, you can practice your religion. And that means, are there heretics? Yes, but that's the individual choice of responding 
to God's leading in our life. The church is not Israel. Of the four worldviews, there's only one that says that. How does that play in? Well, when you say the book of Revelation is symbolic, how many of you have run into anyone that has said that? Have you run into anyone that says, have you run into anyone that said anything about Revelation? Well, we need to start talking to people about Revelation. Just ask them, have you ever read the book of Revelation? Most people will say, oh no, that, that's scary. Oh, it, it's all symbols. It's all, The book of Revelation is a book that says, Blessed are those that read this book and heed this book. It is a very important book. And when, when you say that Israel is not Israel today, you have completely said that the promises God made to Israel... You're switching it and saying they're going to be fulfilled to the church. And as we said, they believe that there's going to be a thousand-year reign of the universal reformed church. Some even believe we're in the millennium now. If this is the millennium, God help us. But this is why Israel is important. You know, if someone were to ask me, Could you give me one reason why you believe the Bible? One of the reasons I probably would give that be near the top would just be Israel. There is no way you can explain Israel apart from God. And and their existence and their coming back together, um, this is, this is foundational. It's, it's very, very important. And this is why, again, worldview affects everything. Thankfully, we have a nation right now that is blessing Israel. But do you understand what is behind? There are, there are many in evangelical churches that are not happy with us blessing Israel. They would be happier with us blessing Palestine. Why? Because they believe Israel is not Israel. They believe the church has replaced Israel. There, there are many preachers, good preachers, and I get some good out of them, but there are many preachers on the radio that, um, that are lined up with the Reformed theology, and they would not believe that Israel is Israel. They believe that infant baptism is a covenant that that you get in. They're on bot radio. I love bot radio. I think everybody ought to listen to bot radio. But you take, like eating fish, you take the meat and throw the bones out, okay? And you need to recognize, we need to be students of the Word. And in understanding, these have consequences, what you believe about about these things have have definite consequences, and the marriage of of church and state 
We believe in separation of church and state, that the state should not dictate to anyone how we believe. We believe that people, and that would mean Christians, ought to be actively involved in the state and that God should be involved in the practice of of a nation. But all of these worldviews that we've looked at on Sunday mornings and these church history views, uh, you know, I, I hear people say, I'm a Reformed Baptist. That's, an, that's a contradiction of terms. And Baptist forefathers would turn over in their graves over this. I mean, how do you, how do you mix infant baptism and baptism by immersion? But we go through and, and we pick what we want out of the Bible. No, this is a worldview. It needs to be cohesively fit together. All the doctrines that we believe cohesively fit together and reasonably, logically, cognitively fit together. And this affects, this is affecting so many areas of Christianity today. And, and the reality is, it ought to drive us not to despair, but to the Word of God. This, I'll make copies and put them on the back. This is something you should take home and look at, and then look at history, and don't just take it because we said it here. And, and to, to examine these things. But it is important for us to rightly divide the word of truth so that we're not ashamed. It involves the, the events of future, uh, prophecy. Is Christ, can Christ come at any time? Or is he, can he not come until after the millennium and so on? So, again, all this, let me back up a little bit, and I know this is, how do I say, sometimes it's history and, and not real applicable in the sense that, oh, this week when I go to work, this is what I need to be doing. But these are foundational in what we believe. And what we believe, this, this, all this goes back. The book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is sharing his worldview. So we got in and started studying worldviews in the big picture the last two Sunday mornings. I don't know if we'll be on it next Sunday. If you're sick of worldviews, call me and ask me if next Sunday's on worldview, okay? But, um, and then getting in and looking at this, I was reminded, you know what? How you view church history, it's a worldview. We mentioned this morning, do we, do we view it from the Bible? It's pretty hard to defend infant baptism looking through the Word of God. It's impossible. And I know there's greater men and smarter men 
than I am, than I'll ever be, and there's more notoriety, but I don't care. It's not biblical. You must believe and be baptized. If if I could guarantee people would be saved and go to heaven through baptism, I'd be going around baptizing everybody, sprinkling, dunking, I don't care what. I would, I would love to think that I could guarantee every one of my kids would go to heaven if I just baptized them. I can't guarantee that my kids will go to heaven. That is between them and God. I can live it before them. I can pray for them. I can teach them. But they must come to the decision themselves. I would love to believe, wow, if, if this little baby I baptize it right as a little baby. That can, Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be wonderful. But it's not biblical. And see, everything has to come down to the Word of God. And we are living in days that this stuff is rising to the top. And it will. In the last days, they will not endure sound doctrine. And And as I said, there are... There are way greater men than I am, but the thing is, we must study the Word of God that we're not ashamed. Oh, I didn't know that. No, we are responsible for it. So, I say all that to say, you know what? God said that His truth would triumph. The gates of hell will not prevail against um, His church. And what a what a comfort it is. Again, there are, I'm sure, other worldviews out there, even in church history. But the point is, as we said this morning, against the biblical worldview, all the other worldviews are the enemies, the ones we mentioned this morning. I'm not saying people that that hold the Reformed theology, are our enemies. This is maybe as much as I'll talk about it. We need to know what we're for, and you'll know what you're against. Throughout the ministry that God's called me to, I have sought to to teach what God is, who God is, what we're for, not just we're against this, we're against this, we're against this. If you love God, you will hate evil. If you love flowers, you hate weeds. If you love green beans, you hate weeds and and bugs that eat them and worms and so on. But it's not what are we against. And sad to say, many times in, in Bible-believing circles, we've been known for what we're against. And it's like, well, what are you for? But the thing is, it's not to necessarily just um, identify people. We must walk in truth. And as I said this morning, we must be living epistles of the truth of God that, that when we do wrong, that we make it right, that we model before our kids, this is how a man loves his wife. That we model in society, and 
this is what we need, a revival of biblical worldview living. And it will affect how we view church and these doctrines. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to know that history is your story, that you're writing it. And the big narrative, as we've already talked about, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Lord, as believers tonight, we rejoice in your redemption As human beings, we stand in awe of your creation. And Lord, as followers of you, we long for restoration, complete restoration. Lord, you said even the whole creation groans and travails, longing for that restoration. But Lord, until that day, I pray that we would be students of the word I pray that we would be faithful in service to you. I pray that we would have humble, genuine spirits that are usable in your hand. And Lord, I pray that we would finish the race well. Thank you for the truth that you are in control. Thank you for the reality of your coming again at any moment. Thank you for the blessed hope that we have because of that. To think that even yet tonight we could be in your presence. Lord, I praise you for the truth of your word, for the comfort of it. And I praise you for the privilege to be living in these days. May we be faithful to you. And to your word, and may we have a fervent love for you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.